Hello and welcome back to Wellhouse Exorcism. This is Shanna, your hostess with the mostess. And this is PJ, your other host. Better than last time. Eh? Better? Eh? You get a solid okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just us today because I'm diseased. For the second second time? Second time. Being a teacher equals getting COVID. It's lots of fun. So I am isolating at home with my husband. You're welcome. Yep. And once again, I'm not getting any of the symptoms. Just like last time it went through the house. You're an alien. Explain why you're an alien. Well, there's a theory that O-type blood is not affected by COVID. Or it's affected less than other blood types. And... So far, it's proven true in this house. Like, I haven't had any really, like, I've, I got cold symptoms. And just, the first like, time. Yeah, just nuisance cold sy- symptoms yeah, at that. The vaccine was worse for you. Yeah, the vaccine <laughs> was really bad. The second shot. The first shot was fine. Oh, second shot was awful. Lying yeah. on the couch, shivering under five blankets. <laughs> oh, no, I'll just take my stuffy nose. I can actually do the I has boogers thing from Kyle now, and it's uh, true. Because my nose uh, runneth over. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to Wellhouse Exorcism. Thought we'd be a little more happy this time because you know, past two weeks have, uh, whoo, they've yep. been they've been something. Ooh, yeah. So thought we'd bring it back a little bit and be happier this week. Going back to haunted houses and such here in Pennsylvania. Um, but I want to start off, if I may, this week. Today, well, this week is February first. And tomorrow is February 2nd. It is Groundhog's Day. And the day day you're listening to this will be the 6th. Good to know. Yeah. Well, in any case, it'll be February 2nd tomorrow for us. And in the state of Pennsylvania, that means it's Groundhog's Day. A very important day for the Pennsylvanians. I personally do not understand it. I think it's stupid. It's an important day for Bill Murray fans, too. (laughs) Yeah, well, that made it more exciting. Um, I'm from New Hampshire, I don't understand asking a groundhog how he's, he's a national fit. treasure. <laughs> no, he is. He's a subterranean fat squirrel. All eight of him, or however many there have been. No, according to the lore, he's over 100 years old. Oh, of course. Right. Yes. Silly me. Yes. His <laughs> wife keeps him young. Um, so I'm actually going to read out of the Weird Pennsylvania book for this, because he actually is in here on page 124 as a local hero. Darn right. Or villain. It says local heroes and villains. So, I mean, I consider it the villain because he's a ground squirrel. Groundhogs are gross. They're terrible monsters. They dig yeah, they it. Are. Yes, they, they are. Yes, they are. Um, so here's a picture of him. Our, our listeners can't see him, but there it is. <laughs> okay. So do you looks know... Looks like a groundhog. Oh, looks like a big fat groundhog that needs to be turned into groundhogs too. Anyway, so do you know why we started doing this They're very stupid... gamey. Groundhog. My mom cooked one once. I never had it. I've had it many um country. Anyway, so <laughs> mostly it's just fun to put smoke bombs down their holes. Moving on, do you know why we use this big fat rodent to tell us our forecast? No. Oh, really? Well, let me teach you as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there's more coming. Nope. This is me with COVID. Are there words? Possibly. <laughs> Are they here? No. All right. Anyway, so I'll read some sections out of here and we'll stop and we'll talk about it. But just in case you have no idea what this whole thing is, every February 2nd, calendars across America celebrate a creature that locals here call Phil. He's a woodchuck. 
Because the woodchuck lives underground and chomps down so much vegetation that it grows to an impressive size and girth, i.e. it's fat. Yup. It's also called a groundhog. I call them subterranean stupid fat squirrels. I say he's adorable. Sure. <laughs> and when Punk Satani, Phil, do you know why he's called Punk Satani, Phil? Because he lives in Punk Satani. Yup. Yep, there it is. When he crawls out of his burrow at 7.25 on the morning of Groundhog Day, the presence of his shadow, or maybe all those TV cameras and reporters, is enough to make him crawl back again to hibernate for another six weeks. So we really base everything off of this thing, seeing its shadow or not seeing its shadow. Literally, if he sees his shadows, we got more winter coming. If he doesn't, hooray, early spring. I mean, does anyone actually, like, have you ever met anyone who actually believed it? Fun fact. Punxsutawney Phil has only been correct 39% of the time. Exactly. I never believe it. Tomorrow- He's no better than a re- uh, weatherman. <laughs> Tomorrow's February 2nd, and we're in Pennsylvania, which means that, um, well, actually, on this day last year is when we had that three feet of snow. Oh, like our Facebook memories. I was working because fid days, but you guys all had off, and so you took the the two of our kids up to oh, the uh, school yeah. to go sledding on their cool air tube yep. things. And I stayed at the house and taught students over Zoom. Fun snow day for the listeners. Our <laughs> our high school has this hill, and it's like a twenty foot, like fifty degree drop, and then it levels off for about ten feet. And then it drops again another 70, 100 feet. It's great because people like build ramps at that spot where it levels yep. off. Oh, yep. it's so Flying great. like crazy. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I assume it would be fun, but I, again, was teaching, so I could not enjoy it. But today is February 1st, right? So this time last year, we had three previous now. Um, as a Pennsylvanian who's been here for 30-ish years, no, less than 30 years. Moving on, um, I'm going to assume that since it's only February, we're going to have at least two more ice storms, at least one more decent snowstorm. February's the worst of it. It's the one we have the worst ice, too. Yeah. yeah. And then as we get into March, we'll have more rain, but it's going to be freezing rain. Yes. So we're going to have at least four more weeks of nasty weather. So screw you, Phil. I can forecast this with better anticipation than you. Anyway, sorry, I hate groundhogs. So how did this all begin? Pennsylvania Germans. Okay. You're already, I'm not sure if this We've is talked a, about them quite a bit already. A lot. On this, yeah, all these little their folklore. Yeah. Hexen cop. Yeah. So, uh, in any case, I'm sure people have heard um, the phrase red sky at night, sailor's delight, right? That whole mm-hmm. phrase. We really do, like, in Pennsylvania, we believe in the bizarre ritual of weather. Like, we really believe that, like, seeing a snowflake here or there is going to mean something special. Like, it's, it's insane. Farmer's Almanac is pretty big here. It in is. State. I don't understand it. Or at least and- in our area of the state. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it comes because of uh, the Germans and because of the Festival of Candlemas, which actually happens on February 2nd. Right? So it's a pagan holiday. So if you like Punxsutawney Phil on Groundhog's Day, you're celebrating a pagan holiday. Well, I mean... Same with Christmas, too. <laughs> Christmas is when Jesus, Jesus was born. He was probably born in April. But at least but- we're celebrating. <laughs> there is no reason again, to celebrate. We, we picked December. There is no reason to celebrate Punk's Tawny Phil. <laughs> Stupid groundhog. Anyway, so again, it comes from the Pennsylvania Germans. So back to the book, it says, It was the Pennsylvania Germans who came up with the idea of the groundhog predicting weather on that February day. Back in the fatherland, German peasants would check out badger shadows during Candlemas. I'm not kidding. Let's go hug a honey badger. <laughs> I wonder how sad they were to see like a groundhog. Like, oh, that's what you have here, groundhogs? Back in my era, we got badgers. <laughs> Thank God, this is all you have. 
It's not badgers. <laughs> yeah, when they moved to Pennsylvania, they were obsessed as ever with the weather, but the closest equivalent to a badger in their new home was the toothy burrowing creature the Native Americans called Wojak, so woodchuck. Um, but actually, there's a, a, a nice little phrase, like, so we have that red sky at night kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Scots actually had an English phrase. It went, if Candlemas is bright and clear, there'll be two winters in the year. And if Candlemas brings clouds and rain, winter will not come again. So I guess huh. we want clouds and rain. And so they go over, like, you know, how this actually works. Then if it's cloudy, he's not going to see a shadow. And if it's cloudy, never cast. I mean, it's probably a little bit warmer, right? Because you get clouds from warmth. So there's probably not going to be any more winter anyway, because there's a warmth there in February. But this is Pennsylvania, where we're like, it can be 71 day. So really, <laughs> you can just look up at the sky instead of at the woodchuck. Whoa! Yeah, exactly. Or all those reporters, he's going to see a shadow because there's so much freaking light on him. So anyway, because the Germans invented this here, there's lots of drinking. So I guess we we could go for the fun of it. Um, But yeah, so it says, of course, they had to down quite a lot of booze to keep warm. And so it became a big party, right? Yep. Now, of course, because of Groundhog's Day... Uh, and because Phil has visited the presidents like Reagan, which is ridiculous, I don't care if he's <laughs> not a national treasure, I don't care what everyone says, um, because of that, people come from all over the United States to celebrate Punxsutawney Phil Groundhog's Day, so we're going to be inundated by crazies tomorrow morning. Uh, we're on the opposite side of the state. That's true. That's true. But, like, they actually bust people in, so it says... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before um, the movie, it was a good couple thousand people, but it says... After the 1993 release of Bill Murray movie uh, Groundhog Day, the celebrations became more populous. The town of 6,700 hosted 35,000 visitors in 95 and a staggering 38,000 in 2002. So, really, since then, they've been, like, bussing people in, which is just crazy. If you haven't seen it yet, watch the movie. Ugh. It's so good. Don't you... Ugh. It's oh, no, so no, sorry. funny. No, I was reading more about punk. No, the movie is oh. fantastic. Sorry, I was... Uh, <laughs> Well, because the next part, you know how the guys, Sam Light is always wearing this stupid outfit. Uh-huh. So he actually started wearing that in the 50s. So it says, mm. um, when the this event became public, because, you know, partying and boozing here, it says, um, in time, Phil acquired a handler, Sam Light, a Coleman and athlete. In the 50s, he introduced the handler's costume of a top hat and dark morning suit. Quote, the traditional dress for dignitaries greeting very important persons. It's a freaking groundhog. <laughs> I don't understand. He's not extraordinary. But apparently when they go to, like, say hello to Punxsutawney, they they actually say, Hello, Phil, Punxsutawney Phil, seer of seers, sage of sages, prognosticator of prognosticators, and weather prophet extraordinary. It's a groundhog. <laughs> don't understand. Tell us how you really feel. That's all you get from me. That's all you get. So anyway, happy um, Groundhog's Day to everybody. I'm predicting more winter for us. I hope everyone else gets out of their deep freeze. But that was my opening a little more happy after uh, the past two weeks. Of course, now I'm just feeling angry because of Punk's Tony Phil. How are you feeling, PJ? Good. The Last of Us is three episodes in and a fantastic phenomenal, show. I gotta say, I'm loving it. Yes. As someone who's played the games, I'm I'm just so happy with As everything. A, a true connoisseur of Pedro Pascal, I have to say. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> he can rock dirty clothes and a dirty face. He can rock flannel. I don't care. He's looking Now good. he's wearing the flannel in the shirt or in the game. Did you catch whose flannel it was that he was wearing? 
You did was really? It, Frank's? it was Frank's. Yeah. It was the flannel that Frank was given the first um, day he got. Yeah, you didn't. Even I caught that. And I was like, oh, get you in the feels <laughs> right there. All right. Anyway, so what are we discussing this week, PJ? We are talking about the Balleroy Mansion. So fancy sounding. Yeah. I didn't know this place existed till I started doing some research. <laughs> and apparently, it's like one of the ha- most haunted places in the in the country. Yeah. Um. I. I don't know. <laughs> The stories are interesting, so I'm always a skeptic when it comes to these things because, you know, you want to make money. I'm a... Some of it, I, like, I... Well, we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I I find it very interesting, at least. We'll give them that. Um, I like the stories. I like that it's not a two-part sad story. Yeah, and the house is just... It, haunted or not, the, yeah. the house is so cool. So much history in yeah. it, literally, so much history in this house. It's about house. the age of our house, too, fun fact. Yeah, a little younger than our house. Yeah. Better maintained. Yep. <laughs> so, before we go into this, I wanted to also talk about this house and, and, and all haunted houses like ours in general. Um, because this house was sold, you know, twice. So, it was built in 1911 and then it was sold to the, the, the care, uh, sorry, the Eastbees, I should say, yep. to the Mead family, and then upon the death of Mead, um, it is sold one more time. Mm-hmm. So the current owners bought this house knowing it was haunted. Do you think in the state of Pennsylvania you legally have to tell a future buyer that you're I know this answer? Haunted? That's why I'm asking you. No, you do not. You do That's not. correct. But yes, in my research, when we were looking at selling our house and things like that <laughs> years worry. ago. We're like, maybe we should move. <laughs> yeah, we're like, do we have to disclose this? And I learned that New York State has a house that is so active that they legally had to disclose it. And now there's a law in New York that if your house is haunted, you have to disclose it before you can sell the house. The owner has to know. So, so actually, fun fact, there are four states now. Four? Yeah, okay. Specifically that mention you must discuss your paranormal activity as a disclosure part of the law. New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Minnesota. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I thought we were going to get all New England in here and then, no. Well, like, New England makes sense because, like, you know, the history of, like, the history, the history of yeah. witches and co- you know, well, just, killing uh, Native Americans. And, just, yeah, the colonies in general, like, the the <laughs> age of them. And then Minnesota. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm your ghost that lives in your house here. <laughs> oh, darn. Oh, oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. Boo. I mean, boo. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. So, anyway, the laws of Minnesota. Oh, I threw your teapot. <laughs> oh. Well, that's going to break, don't you know? But, fun fact, so four states specifically mentioned paranormal activity in their disclosure laws. I should say, Minnesota and Massachusetts state it is unnecessary to disclose if the house is haunted by paranormal activity or the supernatural. So you don't have to. But New Jersey, a seller must truthfully tell a buyer if their property comes with departed roommates, (laughs) but only if asked. Oh. So that's the, there, yeah, that's the kicker. Now, of course, New York, it was... uh, in 1991, you're talking about that crazy house. Yeah. And they actually call it the Ghostbusters ruling because of what happened. Yeah. So. Um, I just love that <laughs> ghosts are now part of New York law. Yeah. The Ghostbusters <laughs> are part of New York law. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so anyway, but most uh, states do have like the contract doctrine wording of like a uh, caveat emptor or like, you know, buyer beware. 
It's like, that's all yeah. I can know. You're buying it, you get what you paid for, but like... If the furnace breaks after a week of owning it, not a problem. problem. Yeah. Uh, so I actually took that information from Caius Rogers, Barger, Holder, and King. Hmm. Are sellers required to disclose that their house is haunted? So I did get that from there. And I did find one that was recent about Pennsylvania home sellers because it was a story. Um, it was from the Avalon Law Associates. But they were answering a question about a guy who's trying to sell his house in Dunmore. Um, and it has a super crazy haunted history. And he's like, do I have to tell anybody about it? There also were deaths here. Or can I like not? <laughs> And so they're like, nope, you don't have to. So yep. no no need to do that. Even if someone's asked, you can just be like, I don't know what you're talking about. La, 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 la. <laughs> but, um, it's no, a, we never had an exorcism on this property. Nope. <laughs> um, Alaska, South Dakota, and California are the states that require sellers to let buyers know if someone's been killed or has died in their residence. Um, so that I find interesting. California like keeps popping up as like a place you must discuss if yeah. someone was killed there. Um, so which I mean makes sense because that's gross. Um, but I was reading about people um, on JSTOR who were really upset by it because if you have a house that has been knocked down because well it has been said that a violent death occurred there. Here it says it's civil code mandates that realtors tell buyers a violent death occurred three years before a purchase offer. But um, the California realtors have said that like it stigmatizes the property and it can sell for ten to twenty five percent less because yeah. of that stigma on it, which is interesting because like maybe you think it's haunted, but like you know you're primed for it, you're thinking it's haunted, but really it's just like you know the house settling. That was one of the big things of the Amityville house is they got it dirt cheap because of that. Doing dirty deeds, dirt cheap. Oh, yeah. So with that being said, my darling husband, let's go into the Balleroy Mansion proper, because obviously this place may or may not be haunted. May or may not be haunted. We'll determine that at the end. We'll determine that, yes. Um, and he did sell it, but everyone knows that it's a haunted place because all the years of stories, and it's been in the Philadelphia Inquirer many times. So take it away. What do we know about the Balleroy Mansion? So we know it was built in 1911. And uh, then there's lore or legend that the carpenter who made it then cursed the land by killing someone on the property, which is why it is haunted grounds now. Boogie, boogie, boogie. <laughs> um, Where is that on our I has boogers scale? Oh, we should isolate that clip. I has boogers. And just, yeah, just play it. I has boogers. <laughs> I has boogers. Um, so we'll see what the scale is. We'll start that now, too, thanks to yes. Kyle. So um, this is according to Philly Ghosts. Uh, I actually like reading Philly Ghosts. If they do a lot of You see, work. I did, too. <laughs> I enjoy it, even if it's not, like, legit. I do Their sources it. were a podcast and Wikipedia. Which means that it's... And, I mean, we like are a podcast. <laughs> so I don't want to knock... I do a lot of research. I don't want to <laughs> knock our... Um, uh, our media here but uh we research I, I i at least know where our information comes from but it comes from me <laughs> usually this is true honey can you print this thanks <laughs> uh but yeah wikipedia at least i did we did print out the wikipedia article and there are like a lot of cited sources there so you could back up all the information that's in here uh with everything that you know is on the wikipedia article yeah, through other wikipedia other sources that's for sure but um so let's see oh uh i so let's retcon that a little bit here so the first owner was a well-off carpenter who is rumored to have murdered his wife inside the home Ooh. so in 1925 the easeby family purchased it 
And a year into their stay, uh, the two children, George and... Stephen. Stephen, yes. And George wasn't his first name either. Everyone just kind of called him George. Yeah, they both... Uh, no, his George was his first name. He went by Mead. Um, Probably either. Yeah. Let's stick with George. I like George. Yeah, I like George too. Uh, anyways, George and Stephen are playing in the yard and there's a fountain out there. It's a beautiful fountain too. Like, gorgeous. Mm. Again, like the architecture is fantastic here. And uh, they both look into the waters of the fountain and Stephen's face in the reflection of the water changes to a skull. Where is that on the I has Booker scale? Mm, that's pretty high. Let's make an eight. George sees this happen, yeah. and then he looks at his reflection, and it's normal. Back and uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, that raises the I has Booger scale even more. But Stephen didn't live long enough really to talk about this story. We can only take George's account. Well, you see, so, so <laughs> the article, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's sad when a child dies, for sure. But when it says... He uh, he died from an undetermined disease just six years later. It's Based like, on another article, they actually note he died of a blood clot. A blood clot, clot yeah. yeah. But six years, like, that, it's hard to link yeah. those two, right? I agree. Uh, to link that, that incident to that. If it happened, like, six weeks, that would be, that would definitely be a much different story. Did he sit in the blue chair? Hmm. Mm. The blue chair. All right, so we'll get to that for sure. I have a problem so, with the blue chair. So G George continued to live in the house for All uh, another life. eighty years. Mm -hmm. uh, Two thousand five is when he passed away. Now, fun fact: the reason his uh, his name was Mead is because they were related to General, General Mead, Mead, which is pretty cool. Yeah, his mom yeah, who Henrietta fought in Gettysburg. Was, that was that was his granddaughter. Yeah. Yeah. So again, coming from a long line of uh, Americans and Pennsylvanians. Pennsylvanians, yeah. yeah. So he actually died um, in December of 2005 at the age of 87. So pretty old guy, lived there his entire time and, you know, never really had any big issues. He would say was haunted, but like he never really felt like he was going to be attacked. Yeah. There were creepy stories and things that did scare him once in a while, like, you know, seeing um, uh, someone stand at the end of his bed and other times something grabbed his arm. So there are lots of stories that have happened in the mm -hmm. house, but he never really felt like he was going to be hurt while he was there. Yeah. Now, this mansion is a mansion. It has 32 rooms, which is insane. Obviously, it has land around it. It has um, the, the big fountain, of course. So this is a really beautiful residence. It really is. And so the family that has it now, they don't really talk about uh, what happens to them. All that I could see um, was from uh, the, their neighbor's little story that they do hear phantom cars come up and down the driveway. So mm -hmm. that is mentioned by them. Uh, yeah. Um, George, going back to George for just a second, too. He always knew of these things, but never wanted to worry his father about it. Until after his father passed away, he found a handwritten note from his dad. And it just said, the ghosts are here. Don't be afraid. And so, like, he's like, oh, I didn't need to worry him about that anyways, because he knew, too. Like the ghosts are singing, I can be your fan, la, la, la. Yeah, Veggie Tales. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so, <laughs> with that being said, um, there are a lot of interesting things in the house. Um, Henrietta was really big into, like, you know, acquiring lots of gorgeous antique pieces. Mm -hmm. So, there's This, a I think, is fa fascinating, by the way. Yeah, she um, had the house filled with, like, this extensive collection of antique furniture. So, we're talking furniture, paintings, silver. There was also a clock there that was made for Marie Antoinette. 
pretty sure that's haunted uh, because, you know, choppy choppy to the necky necky there. Uh, there's a chair belonging to Napoleon in there, also probably terribly mm-hmm. haunted. Uh, Governor Thomas Mifflin's dining chairs, silver flatware used by the signers of the, con- uh, the Declaration of Independence. There's also a poem that was written by Ben Franklin to his mother. So yeah. very American, very Pennsylvanian. So Thomas Mifflin, is that the Mifflin of Mifflinville, Pennsylvania, do you think? I was thinking Dunder Mifflin. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> wait, wait. Was Mifflin the one that got his head cut off in that story? Or was it Dunder? Mifflin, because Dunder <laughs> was the one that comes into the office. It's the old to, guy. Yeah. Okay, bye. Yeah. Okay, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Mifflin. Anywho, there's also um, a haunted Chippendale cupboard, mm-hmm. a ghostly clock, and the cursed chair. Can we discuss the ch- cursed chair? Ooh, we can, we're going straight into the chair. All right. Let's do it. Okay. I want to. Because, you know, we discussed Stevie. You know, he sees his face as a skull in the fountain, right? And then six years later, Stevie ends up passing away from a blood clot. Mm-hmm. Now, it was mentioned in one article, and I think it was the um, by Heather Gray, The Nation's Most Haunted House is Hidden in Chestnut uh-huh. Hill. It's mentioned in that one that um, Stevie was just like, fixated on that fountain after yeah. he saw the the skull he started suffering from terrible headaches and that's where you they had to take him out of the house and yes. then he just stared at a picture of the fountain yeah he stayed at his nanny's house for a while but again hours every day staring at the photograph of the fountain and of course he dies from a blood clot in the brain so could it have been that he was suffering from you know like minor strokes because of you know, of course, an aneurysm clots. or something. It, could he maybe because headaches, you know, can come. Tom, my stepdad, had massive. I had like you know, these mini headaches and massive headaches, and we didn't realize he was having mini strokes until he had um, the major ones that put him in the hospital. So it could be that he was suffering from like mini strokes. But I find it uncanny. I love using that word now. That he was fixated, like morbidly fixated on this this fountain to the point where he's removed from the house to live with his nanny, but he still focuses. Who gave him the picture? Yeah, why is he have a picture of this fountain? Him? <laughs> <laughs> and you wonder if we took the picture away, would he be okay? Probably not. <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but he probably had like you know clotting issues. But uh, well, he obviously had clotting issues. Now again, because there are like so many different versions of the story, I looked into diseases of the time period to see like what else it could have been if it wasn't a blood clot uh 1930s so yeah so there was a diphtheria pandemic okay that was just it went from 1921 to 25 uh so it was still like you know on the downswing by that point hey i got covid Um, yeah meningitis was huge in the 1930s and so was measles they were big in the 1930s. Measles, he would have had like the you would have seen that. Rash. Yeah. Meningitis, usually you have to have that pain in in your. I guess. So, yeah. There's also polio, but th- that would have easily been determined. Yeah. That, you know, that was not an undetermined illness. And again, he could just have had an aneurysm. Yeah. You know, he could have just had thick blood. So whatever the case may be, I do find it interesting that he was fixated because for him to be moved to the nanny's house, like there has to be some kind of like information about that you know for them to pull that into this yeah. article yeah it wouldn't just be george saying oh yeah because you had a problem with that whole thing going on there i do want to read george's autobiography to see my uninvited ghosts yeah to yes. see what all happened and you know everything firsthand we'll buy it all right yeah. but anyway so um after his mom dies though in 1961 that's when everyone started to really experience an uptick in ghost sightings 
which I find very interesting. Um, David Belts was a restoration specialist brought in to work on the mansion, and he was outside near the famous fountain. And uh, he and his co-worker looked up at a window, and they saw this cute little kid. It was a young kid with blonde hair in the window. He was just kind of looking down toward the yard, and I said, oh, look at that little kid, you know, and they disappeared. <laughs> yeah. And, and the way they describe it, like, he slowly just faded away, yeah. too. <laughs> And it's funny because, like he said, after that, my buddy never came back. It was just me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the worker refused to come back to work. Um, so, again, you mentioned the, the note from the father, you know, like the, the mm-hmm. ghosts are here. Don't be afraid. Um, and so he really did. Like, he wasn't afraid of them. Obviously, there were lots of sightings, but he was used to it at that point. He hosted lots of parties. He put, like, it was everything's been on TV shows. He would call the Philadelphia Inquirer. So, like, this is a very well-known mansion that we didn't know about. <laughs> It's like in our backyard. Yeah, right. Whatever. Um, but there, I mean, if there's anything malevolent, I would say it would be the, the, the blue, blue chair. Yeah, and then the chair. I should say. Yeah, the cursed chair. Boogie, boogie, boogie. But I have an issue with the blue chair in the blue room. So do you, okay. take it away. You tell the blue chair story. So um, a medium uh, gave this spirit that's attached to the cherry name, and that is Amanda. And so that's where I'm angry. You can call her Amanda for now, but continue. Okay, so Amanda has been seen as like a red mist that is attached to this chair, like floats around the chair. And the theory is that if you sit in the chair, whatever this thing is, this mist will soak up your life essence and drain you of your life force. Like a vampire. Uh, There are several stories of... um, uh, people associated with dying in this chair. Um, the Easby's housekeeper, Catherine Scullin, and Paul Kimmons. Scullin. <laughs> Paul, Paul's story is just the worst, though. <laughs> um, because he was, he, uh, as it says here, uh, Kimmons told several people that he was being followed by the ghost of Amanda in the two weeks leading up to his death. And then from the Philly Ghost article, it continues. They go on farther with it, with, quote, Paul had called, um, no, a little earlier than that. Quote, my God, I can't believe how many spirits are in this house. That's what a medium told Paul Mm -hmm. when he was giving her a tour of the house. And Paul just continued on the tour until uh, he too saw a blue mist hanging heavily over a stairway. Then after the tour, Paul called the medium and told her that he had seen the ghost of Amelia in his back seat. And notice that you said Amelia. Amelia. Mm-hmm. That's what Not my, Amanda. Yes. And so again, that's why like I can't trust no, here's some the, of these the, sources. Exactly. So like Philly Ghost says Amelia. Every other article says Amanda. Yeah. But Philly Ghost stories are so much better. So was it Amelia? Yeah. Was it Amanda? Mm. I don't know. But that right there for me knocks it down a peg. Like I don't trust it now. Uh-huh. Uh, and it says, uh, Amelia then began to torment Paul, waking him in the middle of the night with squeezes to his arms, floating above him while he lay in bed, following his every move, appearing at random times. Eventually, he became a shell of his former self and fell sick. He was found slumped over at work in the blue room in the chair, and he died a few days later. Isn't that sad? Like, his, his story, like, all he did was take care of the house. But <laughs> you get it. He was the curia- curator of the place, and this is the thanks he got. Paul. <laughs> yeah, no. So, again, like, I want to believe that because, you know, you can have things, you know, that that f- entity can be imbued into an object. We've discussed the idea of, like, you know, objects and whatever. Mm-hmm. There are stories of people, like, who 
love something so much that they just imprint themselves onto it. Maybe she didn't like sharing her chair. <gasps> That's what it was. Amelia. This is my spot. Amelia Amanda. Get no, out no. my spot. She's not Sheldon. She wants to play musical chairs and she was mad because she didn't win on mm. the last chair. So no one's allowed to have the chair now. Yep. Amelia Amanda going to get you. Well, the good news is that almost all the furniture and antiques were sold at auction after Eastby's uh, death in 2005. And it seems like most of the ghosts went with their items hmm. because the new owners who bought the place in 2012, um, they haven't had any issues, really. They had heard about the alleged ghosts, but they really haven't had any problems in the house. And they have children. And so there's never been any issues there. But you, know, you mentioned there's the medium head, so there's a lot of ghosts in this house. Mm. There are. So people have seen um, Eastby's mother walking around. They've seen President Thomas Jefferson. Um, they've seen uh, a monk, which is interesting. A monk. Yeah. All the things. Uh, they've seen um, a woman who's unknown and she's elderly, just kind of there. Random objects do fly around the house. And what's interesting, too, is that apparently the house has an issue with electricity where it sucks in lightning so you yeah. they tend to get zapped more by lightning than any other area around them so but they also then have electrical blackouts kind of because of it so i just i'm like is it because they're the top most part of a hill that the lightning is attracted to them uh, what is it but uh, every one of the articles like pretty much mentioned that there is something uncanny about this place that lightning is attracted to it i love this quote um uh, they play with the alarm systems, which have been inexplicably triggered so often that the police now list the reason for these happenings on their reports as cause of problem, ghosts. <laughs> yeah. In the official police reports. <laughs> How official is that? Not very official, but I just love it. Ghosts. Because like Laura and Ray, after all the times they got phone calls to their house, yeah. the cops did not believe that it wasn't Ray. They kept pulling Laura aside and saying, are you sure you're not in any harm? Because that phone call, we don't have a landline. It must have been a ghost. Yeah, okay. But like these guys are like, yeah, it must be a ghost. Like they just, they just, they're just like, yeah, it, like I can't even imagine how many times it must have happened for them to just start writing ghosts on over. official poli yeah. police work. Um, but there was mentioning, of course, they have un um, the unexplained electrical blackouts, but they do have phantom cars that look like 1930s cars so that cool. are heading. I know. If it could just stay there all, all the time. <laughs> keep it. But they head up the driveway. Now, later, of course, the newer owners, I think it was them, had mentioned that they hear cars, but they don't see anything. So that could just be the sounds of, like, you know, the road or whatever. Yep. But I do find that, like, that would be an interesting, like, little caveat. Like, the cars just kind of showing up because 1930 is, like, you know living in that Great Gatsby kind of time period. Yeah. But what's interesting, too, to go back to, like, the whole um, famic, famous psychic that came in, Judith Richardson, um, of course, she did say that there were a lot of ghosts there, but it says 13 chairs were arranged in a semicircle for a seance in the blue room. Oh, bum, 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 bum. Those in attendance were asked to sit with their feet flat on the floor, palms upwards. The lights were put out, except for a small candle on the table in front of Richardson, who channeled multiple ghosts for almost three hours. Richardson saw a vision of Amanda, not Amelia, mm. and sensed a disturbing presence in the cellar beneath the blue room. Years later, a different psychic advised the current owner of the house to sage the left corner of your basement immediately to cleanse the area of evil spirits. But the new owners did not descend into the cellar to confront whatever or whoever might be lurking down there 
But what's interesting is um, the people who own it now said, we inherited a house that's expected to have parties. So we try to have parties as much as we can. Um, but they did later say that they're Catholic and they had the house blessed right away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And they told the priest, take your time. Smart. Yeah. Um, but they also inherited many artifacts left by meat, including books, photographs, ephemera, uh, and a Ouija board they found in the attic. Um, It's Ouija. Which... The Meads, or at least George, must have been in his 60s then, because Ouija boards didn't come out until the 80s. So <laughs> I would love to hear more on this story, and I hope it's in George's book uh, when we get it. But when Mead was a young teen, an explosion occurred in the basement during a tea party, and a oh, guest yeah, was hit fun. by a flying teapot. It was a pastor, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. And the, another account, it's, it's the pastor. They don't like them Jesus folk, I guess. And then at some time, re- you know, like not too long around that same time, uh, Mead was, George was putting on a puppet show. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the the head of one of the puppets turned into a skull. Just like the fountain. Yeah. It scared all the guests. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun until it wasn't. <laughs> it was good. It was all good fun. It was cute. <laughs> So there are other um, claims. Now, this is coming from Wikipedia, of course, (laughs) because we have to, you know, use all the stuff that we have here. But um, we had mentioned, like, you know, of course, that the creepy phase and all that kind of stuff. But there is the ghost of an unknown elderly woman who reportedly walks the stairs, upstairs hallway, with a cane. Family members and guests were toyed with by the spirits, and it was never uncommon to hear knocking and unexplained footsteps. A respected minister there was where you hear the story of him getting hit by the antique teapot. Electrical fields in the house also attract lightning, and the electricity would go off and on for no reason. And um, there is a story, I had skipped over it, where the downstairs fire alarm would kept getting tripped and turned off in the middle of the night. So they would just find that this thing is supposed to save their lives would just be off. So, <laughs> you know, all of that Whoops. happens. <laughs> yes, all of that happens there. And so, you know, you wonder, the house, you know, it's what, it was built in 1911, so it's getting up there mm-hmm. in age now. It's younger than our house. <sighs> One last story that creeps me oh, out uh, is George said in the Inquirer magazine um, that he one time woke up to feeling someone just holding tight to his arm, and then he turned on the light and no one was there. Yeah. That would terrify me. I would not be happy about that at all. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Well, like, um, like Ray said, I think it was just in the last episode, like, if, if there's ever contact made... <laughs> we're done. Like, we're out. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're out. <laughs> Feeling the weight of someone, like, on the bed beside you, that's a lot, you know. <laughs> but the hair pulling, the touching, the squeezing arms, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. Um, anyway, um, so I find all of this interesting, but I wonder to myself, you know, why is it why there yeah you know did they build it on top of a cemetery is it all the the carpenter killed his wife obviously that accounts for like maybe (laughs) amanda slash amelia maybe she's the one who's mad i guess should we get into more of this after kyle's thoughts okay yes but i just want to say (laughs) i find that this is my little tag in for when we come back so i find it interesting that there are so many different ghosts here so with that being said let's take a pause and do our creepy thoughts with Kyle. 
I thought it would be a good idea if we turned I Shannon into the, the girl. I thought it would be, be a good idea if we. I thought I thought it would be be a good idea. I thought I thought it would be a good idea. Good idea. Good idea. Into the the girl from Ringu. This is bad. This is really bad. It's Amuija. Sometimes locations of death and despair become haunted not by spirit, but by the living themselves. Patients and employees of the Willowbrook State School in Staten Island gravitated back to the grounds after it was shut down because they had no place else to go. Then, special needs children on Staten Island started to go missing. Children told tales of a boogeyman named Cropsy who lived in the woods and ate children. Just like a ghostly tale, no one believed it could be true. Until police arrested former employee Andre Rand. The boogeyman was real. Was he drawn to Willowbrook? Why did he stay so close, living in those woods? What deep magic grows in these dark places? So I, I feel like I had kind of mentioned that too last time. The idea, like, you know, what are these shadow people? Is it, are they the workers? Because, you know, in, in life they... They worked there, but they were evil. So now in the afterlife, they, they're black because, you know, black is usually signif- uh, signifies evil. So, like, maybe we do have ghosts are drawn back. And a lot of these people who were there and now are out. They still went back. You and, know, they, they just they kept keep, returning. And they keep saying, like, I wish I could go back. I, yeah. I liked it there. People understood me there. So could I see them, like, going there because, like, that's their their happy place? And even if not, not. even if not the happy place, it's the place they know. Like it's imprinted on them so heavily that that's what they are. That's just what they know. It's part of them. You know, they um, identify themselves. Like it's it's a part of who they are now. I just it hurts my soul to think you know that that's where they would want to go back to. But again, depending on the what word you were placed, you know, you may have had a wonderful time there. You learned skills and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Because again, I want to be justifiably like you know uh, forward when it comes to Penhurst. Um, There, you know, in that video we watched, we did have those ladies who were saying, "I didn't learn how to do anything like bills and that kind of stuff. I learned that on my own because they took me out of Penhurst. I was learning stuff there, but then they just threw me out in the wild, pretty much." Yeah. So, I I don't know much about the um the school he was talking about there slash asylum. Um, I I focus more on local lore, but it's a good comparison, you know, uh, of Penhurst and all asylums, you know. Mm Hmm. I think it's a it's a good comment. I agree. Like maybe you are brought back there because you are happy there, or it could be part of your you know we're Catholic art your purgatory. Yeah, you know? it is interesting how this you know serial killer horrible person was drawn to the same place that all these former patients and children were drawn to, and you know like almost being delivered right to him. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. <sighs> so sad. Yeah. What was his name again? Andre Rand. Andre Rand. See, I think of a different Rand, an Iron Rand. I was thinking Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> if Andre the Giant wrote a book. It would not be Ayn Rand's work. <laughs> About capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> not even that, like anti-capitalism. True independence. Well, like, the fountainhead. Yeah, but isn't it... We'll probably cut this, but isn't it like the... The 100% purest definition of capitalism, though? Uh, you mean like socialism? 
No, like, you are completely unfettered from the government. You, you are have to, do, to be you. You do whatever you it's can and want. Yeah, it's, it's because it's what Andrew Ryan from Bioshock, you know, they twisted the yeah. letters around. Um, that's his whole philosophy in Bioshock and all that. It's just, you know, you, you only serve for you. And if other people happen to benefit from it, great. But you are serving you first and you sell it. You I'm going to tell you. It. Is that Ayn Rand? There, you know, there's the big group that like gives her stuff out for free. I can see why. Which goes against her uh, <laughs> her beliefs. Well, I think it may it would make them her happy because everyone's reading her literature. Then I guess the word needs to get out there, PJ. I guess. Anyway, back to the actual thing. I nothing, <laughs> nothing scared the the fountainhead. That's for sure. Atlas <laughs> shrugged. Oh, good lord. As an English teacher, I'm like, I'm dying right now on the inside. So let's go back then. To yes. Thank you, Kyle. Oh, and congratulations on your podcast, Liminal Unlimited. Mm-hmm. So shout out to another podcast tonight. Yeah, uh, if, you, if you want to hear about ultra-dimensional craziness and that place-in-between-places kind of thing. Fringe. Weird weird disappearances, uh, things like that. That's what out his of, podcast uh, is. Kind of like out-of-body experiences almost, too. Their first episode mm-hmm. is really good. Uh, he do- He's doing it now with his wife, Jen, and um, I was listening to it, and I just, I love it because they found some really good stories just to kind of show the idea of what a liminal is. And, you know, so they, they define it, they, they go over a little bit, they yep. just give examples. And it's just, it was just so interesting because Kyle explained, you know, it is almost being like really tactile. So you have those dreams that are like, you know, really real. You, you mm-hmm. see me wake up and I'm like, that dream was like legit. Like, I'm mad at you because I really believe that you hurt me <laughs> or whatever. It was a dream. Never had a dream like that. Yeah, I know you haven't. But like, when you have this other worldly, other bodily experience, you know, you can feel the sand in between your toes. You mm-hmm. are physically there. So it's kind of interesting to hear Kyle explain it, though, because I think it makes it a little more understandable for the audience. Yep. So shout out to him. Um, we got that little preview last week with our um, Penhurst episode when he was like, imagine if the haunted attraction was, you know, that <laughs> split time divi- uh, t- time moment. Uh, so, yeah. Love it. Congratulations, Kyle and Jen. Hopefully it goes well for you. We'll yes. We wish you the best. I'm loving it. I like listening to it. Absolutely. After Penhurst, I needed some other stories. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Paint me a picture with your words, Kyle and Jen. Uh, but anyway, so let's go back to Balleroy Mansion. Do you think it's haunted, PJ? So uh, first I want to ask you, how do you feel about a just stupid amount of historical furniture? <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be very pretty, but it would serve absolutely no function in the house because you don't want to use the cutlery because it was used by the signers exactly. of the Declaration of Independence. So all Why would you have all this stuff? To and show how rich you are, obviously. But then at the same time, like, so now, now I segue into, am I really to expect that all of these pieces or a huge percentage of these pieces were haunted? Like Could really, each piece of furniture be haunted. Not each piece, but like it seems like a whole heck of like a monk, and I want to know how all these... the monk. The monk's allowed there, but the pastor's not. The pastor has a teapot <laughs> tossed at his head. <laughs> like, I have some questions. Why did the monk like jump in and stop it? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Boy. So while I believe something went on there, sure. Like I don't believe most of these stories. I don't. I can't imagine that there were such a wide array of different things 
I would like to read other people's stories. If anyone's still alive, I'd love to hear their stories. Because for us, it was so vindicating that night on Halloween, our Halloween party, when yeah. everybody heard the sound, everybody saw the room destroyed. That felt so good because it wasn't just us telling stories. Other people witnessed it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just Dan or Laura. Or mm-hmm. It was people. It was a party of people. So if there was some crazy puppet show going on and they all saw a skull... I want to I want to hear it from them. Yeah. Not just from George and his book. I want to have heard it from them because then you know what? I would say yeah, something definitely was wonky and going on there. Yeah. You know, I I would I would allow it then. But I just the blue chair. Yeah. You can't get the the name right, Amelia, Amanda, I don't know. And the going back to the fountain to like 6 years is a long time to draw that line to connect the two. But then the question for me is why was he obsessed with it? I know. Well, I could, I could see that they thought they saw something, but I do not believe that <laughs> that this well, you know, this fountain—not even a well—is a fountain. fountain. We have a well. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, over there. And there's a reason why our thing was haunted. Like <laughs> this was a man-made fountain. And so then that does beg the question: Why this house? Why does it draw in electricity like lightning? Yeah. Was there something that's happening? Because this is built on a hill, right? Like, I'm yes, it's right? up on a hill. So were people like were witches doing seances up there, or some kind mm-hmm. of witchcrafty stuff? I'm not. It's a hill. Why would they have water up there? It's not usually how that works. But yeah, why were they up there? They could have been. It could have been their own little version of Hex- Hexenkopf, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not discounting that this could be like bad juju area. But I, I, I agree with you. Like, it just feels kind of wonky. Yeah. So I just, I mean, the stories are all over the place. However, you know, you do have a, another person saying, oh, yeah, I saw a little kid's face up there and my friend saw too. He never came back. So f- for me there, I'm kind of like, right, Yeah, maybe. so I, I can imagine something, you know, like something was going on there. Yeah. Because there are definitely reports of it. Uh, you know, the, the police stuff. <laughs> the police gave up, yeah. That, that's enough right there to tell me that something was going on there. I just don't believe that it's really... If it was malevolent, more people would have died, you know? Yeah, or at the very least, like... There would be more consistency at the very that least. too, like, yeah, te- well, you know, look at the our The Warrens would have been there. No, the no, Warrens, yeah. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> Um, I just, I mean, look at our house. Things changed here and there, but the consistency was the shadow kind of figure, mm-hmm. you know? And it was similar rooms. And, and the guy in the suit and things like that. Two, like, it was... Well, you know, but there were two different guys in suits. One was nice, one was not. You know, so could it be one thing in this house that is manifesting as other things? And that is very, very possible. Like, yeah. because we... A trickster kind of thing. We obviously had something demonic, which is why we had an exorcism. Yeah. And as we know, that has no human form, so it could just do whatever it wanted and yeah. manifest however it wanted. But he never had the house exercised in his time that he was there. As far as I could see mm-hmm. the reading, George never had that done. Yeah. He invited more mediums and more psychics in. Yeah. Which is supposed to make it worse. And there's a Ouija board in the attic. Yeah. So I don't... I just don't know. And the thing is, if you look at the at the information, this place used to be open for tours, and you could see all the beautiful antiques. Mm-hmm. They were sold 17 years ago. Yeah. The family who owns it now, it's a private residence, and there are no tours available. Yeah. So I could see that at least, you know, like maybe one or two of the objects were, you know, had something connected to them, and now those things are gone. 
And, and so the house good. is just a house now. Yeah. I could see that, but not a dozen or whatever, like, different yeah. things that this me- one medium says. My goodness, how many ghosts how many are ghosts in are you- spirits or whatever? Like, no, I don't believe that. I just thought, I mean, it's a lot. Like, oh, you're running a circus? <laughs> like a paranormal circus? Yeah, so I, my final verdict is, yes, haunted, but exaggerated. Mine is, the land that it's on has something juju going oh, on you're there. going with the land like our property I'm going with the land i just feel like if it's on a hill like hex and cough like it's kind of like you know i think something happened there that has opened okay. up like a, a that kind of it's imbued that mm-hmm. kind of like a, a feeling into it i don't think it's the house okay i just I, yeah i don't believe it's the house i think it's either something that was in the house like furniture wise yeah. or well, I think it started with the land, and then, you know, the guy kills his wife, and now you have a violent death that's happened in the Allegedly. house. Allegedly. Um, but, you know, with, with that, if there was that death happening, then it's going to manifest even more, you know, negativity. So. Yeah. Again, I would like to hear the pastor story. The the teapot came right to my, fa- my head. I, I, where Where is this pastor at? I, I want to ask some questions. People at the party, I want to hear that they saw Is the he skull. still concussed? From the teapot. Have we checked on him? Is there a dent in the teapot? I have questions. It's a very important teapot. It probably was owned by Marie Antoinette. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta protect your teapots. The Brit in you must appreciate that. I do. Um, I'm I'm going with the land. Okay. I, I have to. So you do think that there's something I, going on? I, I think it's. I don't think, think that the stories are legit. Yeah. Well, I think that there is. The land has uh, has opened something kind of like our house. So I'd go with like you know. Because the people had the house blessed and they're fine. Yeah. So Laura and Ray had their house blessed and they're good. Mm-hmm. Ours, the blessings didn't work. No, we needed more. Because our trickster was a little more of a trickster. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's more. We of had a, a well. That's why, like you know, we're on a hill. There's probably no fresh water source at the top of the hill, so they probably weren't doing all the bad, bad things they'd be doing around a well like our house on yeah. the land around it. So I think it was probably just an area where they used to dance. On Some February 2nd, under the pagan Candlemas moon. Stargazing. Or, or looking at Punk's Tony Phil's shadow. And <laughs> and <laughs> it opened up a little a little rift right there. A little area. And it, it allows like a little bit of a little little stuff coming on in there. Hmm. A little dusty dust. So you're saying they opened a liminal space? Well, no. Because then... <laughs> <laughs> I know what that is now. So... <laughs> Jen spelled it for me, and she explained where the Greek word. We're gonna take from. over their podcast now. <laughs> we're coming for you. No, I want to make my own. So, actually, I was thinking as I'm listening to the to their podcast, and I'm getting a shower because <laughs> I have COVID. So I was like, I went got in the warm shower to feel better because like you know how it's like when you're when you're sick, when you're in the shower, it's the only time you feel good mm-hmm. because your your sinuses open, you don't feel dirty anymore. Like it's when you think the best. Yes, because there's hot water on your head. <laughs> So I'm I'm in there and I'm listening to Jen's beautiful voice while I'm in the shower, which totally sounds weird. And <laughs> all I could think was, how could I get on their podcast now that Kyle's on mine? What could I offer them? <laughs> and so here's my thought. Here's your cell. Yeah. So Jen read a story about these two kids that up until a certain age, they were told they were twins and they looked 100% alike, had the same birthday and everything. And then one day was like, I think she said it was eighth birthday. I don't want to misquote her, but it was like a certain day. Boom. No longer are they twins. They wake up and one has like red hair, a different eye color, different hair color. And now they're cousins and their birthdays are not the same. 
but they both have this distinct memory up until that day before where they were twins. Yeah. And they looked exactly the same. Mandela effect. Yes. Stuff and there. so I hold, what if in a past life they were twins? So they are old souls. So not that they are haunted people, but they are connected by a past event. So they have a shared history. Mm. That's what I want to say to that, Jen. So are you a past life believer? Reincarnation? See, I'm a Catholic, so I'm, I don't I right. want to say no, but you hear these people say like old souls. and I, so I believe in genetic memories, like yeah. that, you know, memories are imprinted in your genes and yeah. things like that. So maybe their ancestors were related and they well, had known each other before my grandmother had her stroke and then of course we're probably gonna have away. to cut all this because we're really tearing into their podcast right now no no this is important they, they can talk about this <laughs> but like you know before my grandmother passed my god rest her soul you know i had said to her like you know i don't really believe in reincarnation because when you die you're, you're supposed to go somewhere and that's it and she said yeah but think about this maybe you messed up on earth and God gave you a second time to come down here and fix it. So, like, he, you, you get to come back and try again. So, what if that could be the case? What if God's like, this is your purgatory, is to try again? Hmm. And, of course, we don't know. We, ha we haven't died, we don't. right? So, no. we don't know. Yeah. Um, so, I, I was like, oh, that's an interesting concept. So, what if these two were twins in mm. a past life? So, what they're remembering wasn't something liminal. It was their shared genetic memory of when they were twins. Hmm. So there you go, Kyle and Jen. That's my thought. <laughs> For and I, I can think of something like you know, um, alliterative, not sassy thoughts with Shanna. Shh. Shanna's charades. <laughs> <laughs> Shanna's shenanigans. There we go. Hey. <laughs> hey did it. Um. Anywho, that took a turn. So if you get a chance, listen to Liminal Unlimited on all your podcasting um apps. apps you have out there uh we will have them linked on our page just because kyle is a major contributor now for wellhouse exorcism with his creepy thoughts with kyle so we'll have it we'll have him on there at least and you can see the title of their podcast yep um so thank you for listening please feel free to email us on gamesoverboard.com gamesoboard at gmail.com is our email Yes, but on gamesreboard.com, there's a, a contact button. Yes, there I'd is. love to hear your thoughts about what you would like moving forward because I really enjoyed doing all the research for Penhurst. I really thought that, you know, because the second episode was so long, it could have been a three-part series or more. Oh, easily. But if you liked that kind of thing where we spend a couple more weeks on one really deep topic, I would love to do that for you. Or if like these short ones like this with Balleroy Mansion, please let us know. What do you prefer? If you have stories... Send them we in. We'd love to have a Zoom with you and your stories, please. If you live locally, we'll have you here in person. Not when I have COVID. Not when we have COVID. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> but in the future. But um, Games Overboard, our, our baby, our beginning yeah. podcast. Our flagship our podcast. Our flagship podcast is doing Zooms with Kickstarter game boarding uh, creators. And so we kind of love having that, like, you know, one-on-one yeah. -on -one contact with you guys. So pl again, please feel free to email in. Tell me what you like about my podcast, what I could fix, what you like hearing, um, who you like having on here. I'm on here regardless. This is yeah. my podcast. <laughs> if you're on Lauren Ray to be more regulars. Yes, or uh, Kyle, Dan. We know they like it. 
my brother Jack has been here a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, so any case, let us know. Find us on Facebook. We right now ha- have a really fun Valentine's Day giveaway going giveaway on. Giveaway going on, yep. We get uh, the Games Overboard tote and the Games Overboard button. And inside the tote is... One of my favorite games. What is it? Wingspan. It is a solid okay in my book. No, I love it too. It's calm. It's relaxing. It's a great game. I love it. So that is your your free giveaway. If you uh, all you do is like, share, and uh, tag a friend, and then you you're entered to win that on February fourteenth on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. We'll ship free you. shipping to anyone who enters. Or if you live local, we'll drive it to you. Yep. <laughs> and by the time you read this, a new Kickstarter will be out for. Uh, our new episode of Games Overboard, where we interview Steve Coker about his game, The Adventures of Dex Dixon. So exciting! It sounds like a, it does sound like a really cool game. I've read through the rule book now, and it's like it fit in my podcast pretty well. And this guy just seems like a riot. I can't wait to talk to him on Friday. I, I'm a little concerned because I love John Garcia so much on our previous. Well, John will be there too. <laughs> I know. John will be joining us, so I can't wait to talk to John again. <laughs> So please hook us up on those two. Um, but yeah, Facebook, listen to us on our podcast, get a hold of us on mm-hmm. our contact pages. But in general, have a lovely week. Enjoy your six more weeks of winter if you're in Pennsylvania. Um, don't listen to stupid subterranean squirrels. Where are you going to feel silly when tomorrow morning he says it's spring? <laughs> and that 39% correct actually happens. All right. So anyway, have a lovely night, guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye.